What are cryptocurrencies? Hey, hey, hey. What are NFTs? A non-fungible token. Time to buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin just seems like a scam. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, Bitcoin? Hello everyone, welcome back to On The Ledger. This is your host Moel Said, and I'm back once again on your weekly rendezvous from Paris. How many of you have started collecting NFTs in 2021? I suspect many, myself included. Last year I completely fell down the rabbit hole of crypto art, discovering new artists, projects and movements, which led me to build a small collection of mine and explore all the creativity and innovation that this space has to offer. And to be honest, it's a mind-blowing dose of daily inspiration. But it wasn't easy at first. I didn't know where to start, what to choose, when to collect, how to stay up to date, or how to best secure and manage my collection. If you're asking yourself some of these questions, stay with me, because today, we've got two of the biggest French collectors joining us to provide you with exclusive insights, guidelines, and inspiration. First, we have Omblin, aka Cablin on Twitter. Cablin is a crypto art connoisseur and collector, She's a curator at Object, the biggest NFT marketplace on the Tezos blockchain, and is probably the person to follow if you want to discover some of the best Tezos gems. She's got it all. We'll be joined by no other than Jean-Michel Payon, aka GMP. GMP is Ledger's chief of staff, heading the teams that are working on developing the most advanced security solutions to enable you to secure and manage your digital assets. But that's only during the day. At night, he becomes a ruthless NFT collector. Jokes aside, GMP has a deep interest in art. He owns a Parisian gallery and has managed to build quite the NFT collection on both Ethereum and Tezos. Kablin, GMP, welcome to On The Ledger. Glad to have you both here. How are you feeling today? Very well, thank you. Hello. Yeah, great. Thank you for inviting me. I'm actually super excited to have you both on the podcast. I admire both of your collections. Uh, and I'm very, very curious to dive into your collector's mind and bring some of the conversations that we have in real life to the community that's listening to us at the moment. So let's get to it. On the Ledger Season 2, Inside the Collector's Mind. Here we go. So I usually like to start from the beginning. Uh, Kablin, I know that you used to be a lawyer in another life. How did you end up in the non-fungible world? What was that tipping point that made you go like, okay, I wanna get, I'm going to leave everything behind right now and dive into NFTs? Yes, it was uh, a bit by luck, I would say. Uh, I was collecting art before, but uh, I was collecting physical pieces. I didn't know much about digital art. And one day I was looking for information about some cryptos. <laughs> And I saw some Twitter posts about NFTs. Uh, I started uh, looking for more information. I saw a giveaway uh, that David Sheffield, uh, he's an artist on Tetos. Uh, so I, he was doing a giveaway of a paint, painting, which uh, it is a super beautiful piece. So I noticed that you could buy art uh, that way. And I started collecting a bit, <laughs> then after a while, it became an addiction. Okay. I started collecting a lot. Uh, the community on Tezos is absolutely amazing. Uh, the artists are very approachable. Uh, you can buy something for $3, but they would still talk to you and uh, be happy that you are interested in their work. Uh, the collectors 
also very active in this community. So it was uh, amazing. And then after a while, <laughs> I got hired by Object.com. I applied on Twitter and <laughs> they interviewed me, uh, which is quite a funny way to get hired. It's amazing. I think, yeah, once you dip your toes, it's very, very hard to backtrack because as you said, there's so much emotions in there. You discover art and then you get to build relationships with people. GMP, you know, you're considered a Bitcoin OG. You've been in the space since 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but you've never actually told me your NFT story. How was your light bulb moment? How did that happen? Well, so you said as an intro, but I'm a, a street art collector uh, historically and And so I was collecting physical art uh, for some time. And I was at Ledger when uh, actually the, the first uh, NFTs, official NFTs uh, popped up in 17. Um, and in 17 and 18, the funny thing is that I, I, I looked at NFTs more from a technical angle. So I, I was intrigued at first by the technicality behind it. But to be quite honest, I've not jumped into that at the point, uh, at the time. And I, I just observed it and I was intrigued by the technicalities behind it, but not so much about the usage per se. Um, and then gradually, uh, after a couple of years, I took more time to understand it. And at some point I had this kind of hey, hey moment. Uh, and it was about photography, you know, uh, physical photography that you can buy in a traditional art gallery. And I was not, I was questioning myself about the origin of the art. And I was questioning myself about the signature of the artist. And I said, well, this is very expensive photography that is probably worth, I don't know, 5,000K, 5,000 euros, right? Or something like that. And, you know, am I sure that it's really, there's only one edition of 10 or is it something that I don't know? And is it really the, the artist that is signing that? And obviously coming from the, from the tech angle of, uh, of the crypto space, I knew that blockchain and then for NFT, Uh, would enable that. And so that's my that's the time that when I basically say, hey, now I understand very fully the technical aspect of it and I can see the usage. Mm -hmm. So now I jump and it was probably in late 19 or early 20 that I jump into the into the NFT space. And then gradually I became, you know, I, I managed to to build an, and it had become an addiction actually. So mm -hmm. I, I used to call myself as a compulsive NFT collector. So I'm buying. Uh, I am in a buying spree sometimes, and it's uh, it's quite um, it's quite frightening if you if you if you see what happens. Yeah, I think we're all in the same situation here. But I love the contrast between both of your NFT light bulb moments. Like, Kablin's is very emotional, and yours is super rational. Um, both are quite interesting. Kablin, you've been collecting NFTs on Tezos for almost a year now, maybe over a year, uh, and during that time, you've built quite a decent collection. Rumor has it you have over 3,000 pieces. Uh, so what's your collection vision like? Because when you start collecting over, you know, thousands of pieces, um, you know, you need to have a certain approach to it. What's your vision? Yeah, so actually I collected a lot because I like to discover new things, new kinds of art and uh, a lot of artists. I, of course, it's complicated to manage the collection because there's so many pieces. So I'm organizing them in different wallets. I have many. It looks suspicious because I have so many. It's organized by art, art style. But uh, no, the idea is that um, I'm looking for pieces of art which would um, be original, like next not something I always, I've already seen uh, before. 
to have emotions when I just look at that piece. Um, that is something which is uh, very important for me. And uh, actually, there were there were so many amazing artists. That's why uh, I have so many pieces. So you have many different wallets, yes. and each wallet is a different artistic style. Uh, I have a wallet for glitch art. I have a wallet for everything which is uh, like some illustrations uh, for paintings. Uh, wallet for uh, uh, pond cloud. <laughs> Uh, pieces like uh, uh, a lot of wallets actually wow um even a wallet for more historical nfts like nfts which have a historical value so basically what makes you take is the emotional connection you feel to the artwork and the you know the storytelling of the artist yeah i really look at that and i like to discuss with the artist sometimes about uh the what is the interpretation of the piece? So, GMP, you're active on both Ethereum and Tezos. Um, and I'm, I'm really wondering what makes you tick. Because I, I, I know that you collect some of the same styles on both uh, chains, but I do know that you have also, you know, other things that makes you interested in certain artists. Could you maybe share more about, you know, what, what your vision is like and what makes you tick when you see a certain artwork? Yeah, definitely. So actually, I, I see those two blockchains rather complementary, I would say. Um, even though some artists are, are minting on both chains. Um, and maybe the way I... The way I kind of collect on both also depends on, on the why of the collection. So actually I don't have a, I have a very broad connect collection if you see from the outside, I would say, and if you see the different wallet, um, but actually it's a, there's a very specific NFT photography collection that I'm trying to build that is mostly uh, on Ethereum because of, um, you know, most of the most famous NFT artists in the photography world, they are, uh, you know, on super rare mostly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, th those are price tag perspective, five is more. Um, and so this is the kind of NFT photography collection that I'm building. And that's very specific on Ethereum and very specific again on, on super rare and sometimes also on, on other platforms. Uh, and then uh, I have a, a, a more a journey, I would say as a collector. So I'm learning every day. I have, I am building my, my collection as I walk, I would say. Uh, and for that, I, I would say that, especially for the past six months, I have been extremely active uh, on Tezos and therefore on blog on object.com mm -hmm. um, because I, I really found uh, a place where I could uh, do what I could do probably a year and a half or two years ago on Ethereum, which is um, discovering or, or collecting a lot of artists I like at a reasonable price. Uh, and also, obviously, on from a transaction perspective, with much less transaction because mm -hmm. basically transaction is like less than it's twenty five cents or something maximum. And obviously, if you do that on Ethereum, it's uh, it's probably fifty, seventy, or one hundred USD. So yeah, I basically I've um, really a, a collection in the making, I would say. And uh, the collection in the making is a. Uh, Mostly right now on Tezos. Actually, right now when we speak about uh, January 2022. Okay, very interesting. I'd like to dive a little bit more into that. So if someone's listening to us and they've just started buying NFTs, um, what are the different steps you would uh, advise them to follow? So what I mean by steps is there is the research phase, but there is also the strategy phase in terms of allocations. Do you think of allocations in terms of percentages or you say, OK, I'm going to allocate X percentage of my collection towards this style of art or towards this artist? And then 
um, in terms of you know managing the 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 the, the actually the growth of uh, certain artists and taking profit at certain points like how do you think of all of these aspects that's a question to both of you so feel free to go first um, so usually when i buy a piece i buy two editions i'm not doing that anymore because uh, <laughs> of budget problems i would <laughs> too many NFTs, I think. But um, yes, usually that's the strategy to buy two pieces and then to resell one uh, to cover the initial investment and and keep the other one just for the like the, the gallery and uh, or maybe in the future to resell it, but in the long term. And it is something that I didn't do at the beginning and I regret it because it's very complicated then when you have a NFT which becomes very valuable and you only have one edition. It's either you sell it and you can buy a lot of other NFTs and support other artists, but you will lose that NFT <laughs> or, or you just keep it and uh, um, you don't get any money. So it's better to have two editions. Even three editions uh, for some artists, it might be uh, like um, more ma manageable that way. <laughs> it's something I don't do myself because of yeah, I don't. I would need a bigger budget to to do that. Yeah, that's kind of the tricky aspect there. But I completely feel you, and that resonates a lot with me. What's your take on that, GMP? So. Actually, the, 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 the fact and the advice of, of Omblin regarding buying two, if you can, is definitely a, good, a very good idea um, because, uh, because then you can, at some point, sell one of those because the price appreciation and actually sometimes it can repay the one that you, actually the two that you bought initially. Uh, so that's a, a fairly good uh, advice to say. And again, it all depends, you know, if you like the heart first, it's very important. Second, it, obviously it needs to be affordable for your budget. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I wanted more to come back to your initial question, which is, okay, what as a entry investor or entry collector in the NFT space, how you, how you do it? Uh, honestly, there is no proper plan. It all depends on your, um, on your mindset. We, we just see in this podcast that actually we have someone that is, uh, more analytical and rational, like myself, with a kind of analytical analyst approach uh, of collection. Um, but even though sometimes I'm using also my intuition a lot, and sometimes I've got uh, a big, um, big discovery, and then uh, I become crazy about the things and I'm buying everything I can do on, on, on special art. Um, but it all depends on the personality. And I think that the collection of, of someone actually most of the time should, should comply with your, your mindset. And so you should act as you act in life and you build your collection like you act in life. And therefore, if you are rational, probably that you, you will prepare your, your collection in advance and you will spot a little bit. You will say, hey, I'm spending, I don't know, 300 uh, euro or USD and I, I will probably buy, uh, you know, 50 of uh, free teas uh, and uh, 50 of uh, six or something. I don't know, but sometimes with based on the price, based on the on the type of art, is it generative art? Is it photography? Is it so you can do whatever you want actually? But I think that my advice for the for the beginners would be to actually try and learn, and therefore maybe not to stick to a plan too much, uh, but to let them guiding into the experience and to and to and to buy a little bit to understand how it works. Uh, to see how they feel about the acquisition and do they want to buy another one after or do they, they oh, I've made a bad choice and I want to sell it. 
and they, they need to learn. So I would advise to spend a little bit of time to, to learn and to and to try, and then therefore after that maybe building a, a proper vision and a proper strategy regarding the way uh, the collection could look like. Interesting. That's that's actually quite interesting. And there is another kind of aspect to that is uh, the aspect of security. How how do you think of securing, you know, about security in general and how do you actually secure collections? Like for you, Kablin, you have 10 different wallets. Um, I'm not going to, like, I don't want you to kind of reveal all your, you know, security tactics, but as an overview, like, wh- how how would you, like, explain it and, 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 you know, how would you advise people who are getting into this world uh, with regards to securing digital art? Uh, I'm using a ledger, and uh, but the thing is usually I advise people to use to to have one because um, even if you have uh, NFTs which are not valuable now, they may be in the future. Uh, I saw some NFTs which were worth five tesos, which are now more, worth much more. So it makes sense to take security into consideration. I see a lot of uh, like horror stories of people uh, who lost. Uh, uh, the NFTs and it's something which needs to be like uh, even more uh, communicated mm-hmm. to the people who start. Of course, and this is not an advertisement for Ledger. We're really, you know, having you know very serious discussion about how actually collectors do manage their collections. And um, with all what's been happening, you know, in GMP, you're pretty aware of everything that's been happening in the space. Um, do how how would you like? Uh, start in terms of would you start right away with a hardware wallet that was what you'd advise people to to do so uh, it all depends uh fair enough i'm a bit conflicted there um but actually that's good because that that makes uh, me also understanding the the user better so it all depends on the budget that you have um so my advice again and based on also my experience and the experience of the people that i've onboarded into into cryptos and nft specifically in the last uh, six months let's say i would say that if you if you want to just discover and you just want to spend, let's say, 200, 300 euros equivalent in crypto and specifically in Tezos, because with Ether, again, we will not do much with that in, in NFTs, but um, you can probably go with a, with a hot wallet. Uh, so you can you have uh, many software wallets that, that are in the market that are doing good, uh, good hot wallet. And, and maybe that you you can buy an hardware wallet on the side and not set it up immediately. Or you can set it up, but you, you wait for having your collection increasing in value. And then basically you have two wallets. You have one hot wallet with which you are buying, uh, you know, and discovering the universe of NFTs. And then a second wallet that is in your hardware wallet or that is connected to your hardware wallet uh, that you send the NFTs uh, when they arrive at a certain price because they increase in value or because uh, because you put more uh, more money into your into your uh, you know, wallet. So this is the way I would see things. Um, and also actually, actually at the end of the day, it's always good to have both a not wallet and a and a cold wallet, uh, cold or actually a wallet that is secured by Ledger, mm-hmm. uh, because as as you know with an wallet, you need to 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 sign the transaction with your hardware wallet. It takes a little bit more time than with a software wallet. But you have the security and the peace of mind, obviously. And for some kind of, you know, fast trading or, or, or fast acquisition, sometimes you you might need to go quick and you might need to go on a hot. But then once you what's in your hot wallet, then you can transfer it to the to the code. So actually, I think that both are working quite well in terms of um, of ease of use. Mm-hmm. But obviously, in terms of uh, of peace of mind and security, uh, and beyond the fact that yeah, we are ledger, but. I think it's uh, it's paramount to everybody to understand that 
the only way to really, really have the security of your NFTs and to have the ownership, the proper ownership of your of your NFTs, is to have your you know on on the address that is connected to your private keys that are themselves deriving from your master seed that is secured in your in your in your hardware wallet. That's the only way because yeah. you know we never know what will happen in five years, ten years, uh, and maybe that the NFT that you are buying today that is only worth you know two hundred, maybe it will be worth. 100 times that and in the end you will be happy to, to have that secured yeah 100 percent. like I, I i honestly can't sleep at night if i have uh, assets that are sitting in a hot wallet uh but that's me <laughs> so anyway i'd like to talk more about the collection you know and the aspect that you know digital ownership now has given us new possibilities of identity formation uh, by liberating us from some of the physical limits of self-expression. So when you approach your collection, do you see it as an extension of your identity or do you think about it as a rational investment? It is both because it allows me to express my personality in a way or I see some pieces with which I connect a lot and I feel like that the artist understands some of my feelings and I have part of my collection which is like that. And I also have pieces from artists who are doing art I consider very interesting conceptually. Uh, so for these pieces, it's a bit more rational. I know that for some people, everything is rational. Uh, so it uh, depends. I still have an Excel file to manage my collections. In a way, I think there is some <laughs> rational part behind it. Yeah, I think it's there's always like kind of a certain equilibrium that you need to hit. What's your take on that, GMP? Uh, so maybe I my, my answer would be that um, actually a collection of someone is always thinking a lot about this person, I would say. Um, not necessarily everything, but at least it shows, you know, normally what you like, even though, again, I'm very rational. What you can see is that, uh, especially from my NFT photography uh, collection, I would say, um, because there are less noise than with the rest. That is a, a bit, uh, there are many, many things, and therefore it's probably complex to understand, you know, what is happening in my head when I when I buy NFTs. Uh, but if you look at the NFT photography gallery, then it's, it's probably clearer, you know, what I like, the type of, of value I have. Etc. Etc. So for, for for the later, I would say that yes, it's a way to know a little bit my personality and probably also a way for me to uh, express my personality somehow. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, but that's more for the sophisticated uh, collection. Again, for the other one, I, I, I'm not so sure that a, a psychologist would be very happy to, <laughs> to analyze what, what what I'm buying. Yeah, you have some guilty pleasures. I know that. Uh, Kevlin, let's talk a little bit more about Tezos and Object. You know, the scene and the ecosystem at the moment is clearly becoming a massive creative hub for artists and creators. Why do you think that shift is happening? Well, um, so on, on Tezos, it's uh, possible for, uh, for a lot of artists to uh, mint their pieces for a very low price. So it is a good opportunity if artists from Latin America, for instance, to sell their art uh, to collectors from all around the world. And they, they couldn't do that on Ethereum. They can do that on Tezos. And the community is very vibrant, uh, very active. Uh, so the I think it's because of this community that things have started to move a lot. Interesting shift that's happening at the moment. And GMP, you're a big fan of Tezos as well. Yesterday you had a Tezos event at your physical gallery. Um, so, you know, speaking of your physical gallery, I like that approach of using both mediums at the same time, the physical and the digital one. 
Um, maybe you could speak more about the initiatives that you're doing at your physical gallery. Um, I'm also curious about how that was received by your uh, initial clientele um, that used to come for the physical art. Yes, uh, so literally my gallery is a, is a small gallery, but uh, it's really a laboratory for me. It's a laboratory of ideas, it's a laboratory to discover artists and obviously to launch new artists and new, new waves so like, and new trends. Basically, NFT were perfectly fit for this strategy. Um, and and why Tezos and why merging the physical and the and the and the digital art? Um, because we are so early, so so early, uh, you know, in, in crypto and probably people that are listening to this podcast, etc. But uh, probably that there are I don't know two million, three million person in the world that are co collecting uh, NFTs, maybe even less than that. I don't know. So we are very very early, and and therefore we we need to create bridge. We need to to bring a lot of people to onboard a lot of people and to and to bring people from the old world to the new world. So as Anglin told about her uncle being an artist and not being yet minting his art uh, on a blockchain, I think our role uh, globally and specifically us is to is to bring new people uh, both the, on the artist side but also on the collector side. And therefore, a gallery again is a great uh, is a great place. So the gallery is near Bastille, called Acheter de l'Art. In France, uh, and it's a uh, it's a funny. So yes, we we have a very interesting feedback from from both the collectors and the artists. Um, some of the collectors, especially when they are quite young, they they, they get it immediately. You know, mm. uh, collectors that are uh, thirty five years old maximum, they totally get it very rapidly. And I'm not even talking about the guys that are twenty and less. Mm -hmm. so for them, it's immediate. Um, if you if you get into people that are in their 40 plus, it becomes more difficult, uh, and it takes them more time. Uh, so it looks as if it's a generation shift, and so the kind of parallel I take is, uh, you know, when you have a new app like uh, some years ago, TikTok or even Snapchat a decade ago, usually you know the the, the, the young guys understand it immediately, and the, and the old guys a little bit uh, more slowly. So for me, NFT is, is simply as that. Um, uh, but yeah, but I suspect that actually it will change. And just like uh, when Facebook popped up, you know, only the guys at university were using it. And eventually now your grandma is, is using Facebook still. So probably that in 10 years, everybody will have NFTs and even our grandma will uh, actually buy NFTs. I'm looking forward to that day. But that actually ties perfectly into another question I wanted to ask you, GMP. Um, you know, clearly NFTs are becoming the main crypto on-ramp. Um, however, the space still has a lot of frictions to solve, especially when it comes to security. So in your opinion, what are the main things that need to be addressed? And how are you working on that with your teams at Ledger? So I think that we have a big challenge in, in front of us, which is, yes, it's very convenient to, to buy and exchange NFTs once you are onboarded. Uh, it means that between us, the one that is in this podcast, we all have our address, we all have our wallet, we all have a you know, connection with our wallet to a specific platform, whether it's object.com or, or OpenSea or SuperRare or whatever. Uh, and therefore, we are already there and we can quite easily transact. We can quite easily buy, we can quite easily sell, and we can swap, we can even mint if we want. Um, so that's quite easy for us. But the challenge is more, how do we bring the next million or the next 10 million or the next billion of people inside NFTs? Um, and this is 
this is part of, I think, the mission of everybody, you know, whether we are working for object.com or ledger.com is to uh, provide the, pro the proper on-ramp, the easy on-ramp uh, to, uh, to those people uh, so that they can quite easily and securely, uh, you know, buy their first NFTs uh, and have the proper support in terms of, uh, you know, understanding what they are doing and, and but also have um, a pleasure to do what they do. Uh, because obviously, you know, when you usually come in the first place into crypto, apart if you are cryptographic engineers, most of the time it's not an easy path because there's a bit of it's a new world, so you need to have new understanding. And I think that again, it's about not only the technicalities and the technological environment of the platform or the software or even of the hardware. It's all about the story also and how we explain to people. So it's also about education. It's also about uh, having some special services uh, and some people that are taking time to onboard people. Um, and then eventually it will become as easy and as plug and play, uh, you know, as we have right now when we buy a mobile phone or laptop, we don't think much and we directly connect ourselves to the Wi-Fi immediately. This kind of thing will happen probably uh, in the next three to four years in the NFT space, I think. Yeah, I think we all agree about that. And Kablin, you know, adoption is deeply correlated with the quality of the user experience. And Object's been shipping some impressive functionalities lately. I love this follow button there with those notifications. They just make life so much easier. To me, it feels like NFT marketplaces are on the verge of becoming the social media of Web3. Like I'm spending a lot more time on Object than I'm spending on Instagram. Uh, what's your take on that? Are you thinking of um, you know Object as being a future uh, social media? Well, I know that the users of Object don't really like social media. Not necessarily. They're not necessarily a big fan, big fans of Instagram or Facebook. But some aspects are close to what you can see uh, on the social media. So the community, the, the fact that you can follow artists, of course, it's... Uh, you can follow exactly what they're doing. You can contact them more easily. You can see who they are following. So you can... Uh, know a bit more about uh, who they like, uh, what are their inspirations, etc. So uh, these aspects are very important, and uh, and uh, we are we will continue to add other features like this. Any any sneak peeks for us? I, I don't know exactly uh, what I can say, but we will increase the discoverability of art pieces which is still uh, at the moment it's not it's not optimal yet and um, uh, it's really for the new collectors who arrive it's still complicated to find art uh, that we speak to them uh, so this is going to be improved okay that's very interesting. We'll be looking forward to that. So it's time to move on to the last segment of the show. Uh, we like to finish on a more playful note. So I'll be asking you a list of rapid fire questions that you'll answer in turn. And some of them will be harder than others. Uh, but the whole idea is that you shouldn't think for too long. Okay? Are you ready? I guess. <laughs> this is rapid fire. So let me start with the first question. What's your biggest NFT category in your collection? PFP. Interesting. Kablin. I'm not even sure uh, because I collected a lot of paintings um, at the beginning, but after a while I discovered generative art and I think that's a lot of my collection at the moment. Um, what's the NFT acquisition that you're most proud of, GMP? Well, it's tough. 
uh, stuff because I, I, I did a couple of in the past few days. Brendan Fraser photography was a photograph I was watching for, for months, if not years. Okay, Kabeline. Uh, so it would be a, a one-one by Gary Cartridge, Troy Fitzpatrick. It's an artist who releases some NFTs and objects on some... He has several, several accounts on objects and it's quite hard to get his NFTs. And I got it. I was quick and I got <laughs> it. So and, uh, it's an NFT I really like. <laughs> awesome. What about your biggest NFT regret? Oh, no, no. Um, I don't have much regret in life usually, so it's a bit philosophical, but um, maybe just having missed the CryptoPunks. I, I looked at the CryptoPunks on many, many occasions, and every time I looked at them, I, I said, hey, they are a bit too expensive, so let's wait for for a little price correction. <laughs> Eventually, the price correction never happened, and at some point, you cannot afford anymore. Okay, yeah, I think CryptoPunks are one of my biggest regrets as well. I wanted to buy a one-one from Mario Klingemann, Cosimondo, and uh, it was at Tezos. I didn't have enough. And when I had enough, it was sold to someone else, and now the price has increased. So uh, at the moment, it's my biggest regret. And uh, But it's it's like this. I have a lot of amazing NFTs, so it's cool. <laughs> Maybe one day. So what about the young artist that you'd bet a Bitcoin on? If you had a Bitcoin to bet on a young artist. I have this um, this young uh, photographer that I bought uh, actually just uh, two days ago uh, that I like a lot uh, that is coming from India and that made a, a beautiful piece um, that I don't want to, to say her name incorrectly. So just let me find her name if you allow me to do so. It's Ina Jarej. Yeah, Ina, she, she did an amazing, amazing photography with a bit of painting on, on, on it. And yeah, it really blew my mind when I, when I saw that. So that would be, that would be my pick for, for today. Okay. Ina, you have a lot of pressure on you. One Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Kablin. Yeah, so young, I don't know how young all the artists are. <laughs> so um, I would say um, Laurence Fuller, but I, I really say all the time that I like his pieces, but uh, I bought a one-one on Ethereum. Like it's my only, almost one of my only pieces on Ethereum. So it's uh, not one Bitcoin, but it was like I already bet a lot on this uh, because it's... Uh, Like using some classical art and we are interpreting it and adding some poetry, it's, uh, I think it's uh, amazing. Childish force of nature, my swelling body swims with salt drops dropping in pools of unexpected pleasure, crashing water weeds washing over the spirits with me. Together we crossed over the top layer before we get sucked under the other underneath pulled out to sea. Working through that introspection to the other side of a long lost handle on the inner dissonance of myself. What about your guilty pleasure collection? For me, it's the PFPs. <laughs> For me, it's normal business, right? <laughs> I don't even, it's not guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah, guilty pleasure would probably be, I don't know, some, uh, I could have said that, some funny things that are a bit weird mm -hmm. uh, and you never quite know. Uh, not exactly like people, but sometimes, you know, those kind of digital hard that that is looking like uh, a bit weird and you are not totally comfortable looking at it. Uh, but uh, but at least it, it creates an emotion. So therefore, it brings something to the table from an art perspective. So this would be my my pick. Uh, and I don't have any name on that per se, but uh, this, this would be the kind of thing I'm sometimes buying for the sake of being surprised. 
Last question of the day. What would be your ultimate tip to an NFT first grader? If you had one tip you needed to give someone. Open a Tezos wallet, spend $100 with that, and you will jump into the rabbit hole. Kevin. Well, for me, it's uh, quite similar and do your own research, <laughs> um, find information about the artist, uh, look at the prices on the market, try to discuss with other collectors, and then you can start building a very nice collection. Okay. You you cheated there. There's like five tips, but I'll take it. It's yeah. good. I'll, I'll add one from my side. It's always buy what you love. This is This is super important. We'll leave it there. Kablin Jempe, thanks a lot for joining us. It was a great pleasure. I loved having you and I'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it. I hope you took out as much learnings as I did from that conversation. Remember to do your own research, buy what you love, and always make sure to secure your NFTs with a hardware wallet. And most importantly, enjoy your ride. This was On The Ledger from Paris with your host Moel Said. Till next time, take care. Au revoir. This content is provided for informational purposes only and is the sole expression of our opinion and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment or tax advice. Do your own research. Any loss or profit is your sole responsibility. Stay safe.